Well, this is the second week in our series on rest, and you can't talk about rest without talking about the thing that most of us feel the need to rest up from, which is work. Um, and everyone has a slightly different relationship on work. A lot of it has to depend on the work you're doing, maybe who you're working for, who you're working with. Um, now, I do understand that, that during this current pandemic, uh, a lot of people have been left out of work. Uh, and so I just want to acknowledge that this might be a pain point for some. And the last thing I want to do is to pick at an open wound. And so hopefully this uh, shutdown will will be able to end as soon as possible and, and businesses and works and places you've worked can get back to normal, um, or at least as normal as whatever the new normal is going to look like moving forward. Um, and so uh, if you feel like maybe this isn't applicable to you now, hopefully um, it'll be something that you'll be able to use when you get back to work. Um, so let me start, though, by explaining my journey with work and how I felt about work along the way. Um, the first work I did was the same work any of us do, is I had chores to do as a kid. And I did not like that at all. Maybe you did. I got a couple of kids that, depending on the chore, they can get really fired up about it. But I did not like chores. Uh, my least favorite was doing the dishes. Uh, I, that was my chore. I hated it. Every night after dinner, Anthony does the day's worth of dishes. And I think it was Thursday nights. My mom decided Thursdays, for whatever reason, that was the night she cleaned out the fridge. And so I'd be turned around washing all the dishes, thinking I was done. And then I'd turn around and the kitchen table would just be full of all the things that she'd, you know, the dishes or the Tupperware that she'd dumped the food out of. And it was dirty. And it was like, no, I thought I was done. Why did you do this to me? Uh, so that was my thing. So I always whined, can we please get a dishwasher? And my parents, you know, always came back with, we have one. You. <laughs> so great. Um, so I, I'm curious, though, for the kids in the room, for those of you that are watching today, um, I want you to let me know what is your least favorite chore. And the way I want you to let me know that is I want you to have an adult take a picture of you doing something to represent you with your least favorite chore. If it's like me and you, you hate doing dishes, you know, you can get a dish and a washcloth. Maybe it's making your bed. Maybe it's cleaning up your room. You can show a picture of you in front of your room. Whatever it is, I want a picture that kind of uh, shows me what your least favorite chore is. And you can text those pictures uh, to the number below on the screen, 217 uh, 694-6027. I want to make a Facebook group today. Uh, if you can't do whatever chore, maybe you got an outside chore uh, you want to show and you can't send the picture right now because everyone's watching the service, you can text it to me later and I'll add it to the Facebook group uh, when I get it. Um, also, this number, I uh, just took it off the screen, but it's in the descriptions on the in the Facebook, uh, the description of the Facebook video and in the YouTube descriptions for the video there as well. Um, so I'm curious to see what those uh, chores are. If your least favorite chore is dishes, I get you, man. I really, I really, really understand. Um, but as far as like work goes, um, in high school, I decided that I would start detailing cars. Um, my mom has always ran a nail salon out of our home. And so I thought, she's already got customers here. Why don't I see if they'll just let me wash and clean out their cars. And so I did that all throughout high school. And I'm just going to let you know, the reason I did that was not because I'm just some, you know, brilliant entrepreneur who just, you know, wanted to be his own man or anything like that. It wasn't because I love cars. It wasn't the sense of accomplishment I got from, you know, taking a car from dirty to clean. Um, the only reason I did that, or at least started to do that, 
was money. I just wanted some source of income in my life outside of birthdays and Christmases. Uh, and so I just decided to take matters into my own hands. And so it wasn't like I did it you know, for any noble reasons. I just wanted some money so I could buy stuff. Um, but even though washing cars was my first source of income, my first official job came after I graduated high school. And I mean, when I say official job, I mean like I had a boss and I got a paycheck, like that kind of a first official job. And before I tell you what my first job was, I want you to let me know what your first job was, okay? What was your first real job? And I and same same thing, first job with a boss where you got a paycheck. What was your first job? Uh, put it in the comments. I'm really excited to see what some of those first jobs uh, were that some of you have had. Um, but for my first job, I got hired as a security guard at the local factory in my hometown. I worked Friday evenings, Saturday evenings, and Sunday mornings. And I'd fill in, you know, I was also the fill-in guy whenever somebody was sick or something. And you're thinking, oh, Anthony, obviously you were a security guard with that physique. I'm sure all any criminal that sought to break in to that factory just took one look at you and ran the other way. And yeah, you're right. Now, looking back, um, I should have loved this job. I should have. I should have loved this job with all of my heart, but I hated just about every second of it. Um, it was the kind of hate for my job that anytime I thought of it, it just like put a knot in my stomach. Uh, the closer it got to those weekends where I worked, man, my stomach just, I, I just started to dread it, okay? And the reason I dreaded it was not because it hard. It was hard, okay? Um, let me give you a little description of what I did, okay? Uh, on weekends, so the Saturdays and Sundays when no one was at the, in the factory, I would be the only one there. And my job consisted of, okay, for the first 15 minutes about of every hour, I would have to make a round through the factory on a little cart, um, depending on which which there's two plants that I worked at. Depending on which plant I was at, I either had a little golf cart that I got to drive around or I would walk it. It took about 15, 20 minutes of that first hour, and I'd have certain places I had to go and check, and, and there was ways that they could monitor that to make sure I was doing my job. Um, but then the other, like, 45 minutes, I just was sitting in the little, like, guard shack, like, just hanging out. Like, I just kind of made sure nothing crazy went down and tried not to fall asleep, okay? And then it got even better because on the on the Friday nights when the workers were still there finishing the last shift of the week, I didn't have to go on any rounds. I just had to sit in the shack. It was, I mean, literally, I should have been in love with this job. It was such a cushy, easy job. But what got me was the boredom. I mean, it felt all-consuming. It felt like each eight-hour shift lasted for days. And I did the job mainly because, yes, I needed income. You know, I was technically 18 and an adult now and had certain things I had to pay for. But, man, it felt like drudgery. It was something that I just had to endure and suffer through and run out the clock on. Um, and, and I guess the best way I could say it was it felt like an interruption to my life. It felt like those three days of the week, like I really couldn't live my life. I couldn't really do what I wanted to do. I almost felt like I was held hostage. And so as the week progressed, you know, and I got closer to Friday when I would go into work, I mean, it just felt like clouds came in, dark clouds were hanging over me. And then on Sunday, when I got off at about three in the afternoon, I mean, I felt light as a feather. It was like, I have, I have the whole week in front of me. I can do anything. I can go hang out with my friends now. The possibilities are endless. And, and so I struggled with that first job because I just it just felt like this huge interruption to my life. 
And maybe that's the way many of you look at, at, at going to work. I know a lot of people that, that don't look at, at, at their job as this fun thing to do, as this giant calling in life, but it's simply almost an interruption. It's this thing they have to get through. Um, and one way you can tell that a lot of people feel this way about work is that um, if you try to look up songs about work, you will find pretty much zero songs that have anything positive to say about work. But you want to look up songs that have something negative to say about work? There's tons of them, okay? Working nine to five, what a way to make a living. Um, I never really listened to that song too much. Like, I could sing that little chorus part. Um, but if you look look at the words, the lyrics, oh, man, that it's not a positive experience, okay? Um, another one that's that's one of my favorites is, everybody's working for the weekend. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everybody's working for the weekend, right? Because work's awful. So I just want to get to the weekend when I can get it over with and I can get back to my life. Work is drudgery. Work is misery. The only thing that makes it worth going to is knowing, one, I'll get a paycheck, but two, is knowing that there's a weekend eventually and I'll be free from this horrible thing called work. Or maybe for you, it's not the weekend that you look forward to, but that big vacation you get to take. Maybe that's what gets you through the weeks of work. And it can kind of make us wonder, like, why would God do this to us? Like, is work a, a curse from God? Because a lot of people do not like going to work. They do not enjoy work. Uh, we live in a season, strangely enough, where a lot of people are grateful for their work. But, but a lot of people feel like it's not a blessing to their life. Outside of getting paid, there's really no benefits or purpose to them being at work. And that, you know, you can start to feel like, maybe, is this a punishment? Like, is God punishing us? Did, did humans do something wrong and God said, fine, now you have to do work? Before it was all vacation, now you have work to do. Well, strangely, no. Because in the creation story of Genesis, God gave humans work before sin ever showed up on, on the stage, before, before people had ever done anything wrong deserving of punishment. Work was already there. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 12, it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. So, so humans were giving this, given this job of overseeing and caring for the creation that God had made. And nowhere does it talk about this work being, being like toil or, or drudgery or bad or miserable. Okay, In fact, in the goodness of everything, because God kept creating and saying, it's good, it's good, it's good. Work is, is listed among those things that, that are good. And, and it's, it's something that we were meant to do. From the very beginning, God meant for us to do work. Work is a normal part of human life. It is meant to be a normal part of human life. It was something that we were designed for and made for. You and I were made to contribute to the world. So not only would I, would I not say that work is a curse, but I would actually say, that work is a key to human fulfillment. Work is a key to you living a life of fulfillment as a human being. You need work in your life. And, and so that kind of leads us to the question, okay, if, if I need work to be fulfilled, if work was meant to be fulfilling, then why don't I feel that way? Why is it so often that work, this thing that supposedly was a blessing from God, why is it that it feels like a curse? Why do I feel like work is like this penalty box that I'm trapped in through the week and I only get let loose 
on the week, when the weekends come to go play and have fun and live my life. And I think the greatest reason why we feel this way and why so many people feel that work is a chore, is it's, it's a curse, it's an interruption to life, is because we've, we've lost our sense of purpose when it comes to work. Um, because again, for a lot of people, outside of a paycheck, uh, work doesn't have a purpose. Work doesn't feel like a, a, a calling. And, and even for people who, who feel like they're pursuing a career, you can get to a place where it does just feel like monotony or it feels like anybody could do this. I'm just a placeholder. Like they could fire me and bring anybody in. I don't add any value to this. W- what's my purpose for even being here? And so we can feel like work is a very purposeless place in our life, that we have no benefit, that it adds no benefit or no lasting value to really anything. Well, what I want to show you today is I want to take you to uh, a command by the Apostle Paul to the church in the Roman city of Colossae. So we're going to be in the book that we call Colossians. Um, Now, if you're new to the Bible, let me just explain what Colossians is. and who Paul is. Paul was actually a pastor and a church planter uh, after Jesus had died and rose from the grave. So um, sometime maybe in the 40s, 50s, somewhere in there, Paul started traveling all over the Roman world, the ancient Roman world, and he would plant churches, and he would get a church going, and he would spend time there, sometimes several years, and then he would move on to plant more churches. But he would often write back to those churches that he had planted that he left to give them further instruction, to give them uh, some guidance, maybe to answer any questions or to help them work through any problems that they were experiencing. And those letters have been preserved and make up the bulk of our New Testament. And one of those is the book of Colossians that was simply a letter written by Paul to the church in that Roman city of Colossae. And, And here's what Paul writes, and I think this is really important for us, so I want you to really pay attention to it, okay? So Paul says, bondservants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Now, you might have noticed at the very beginning here, let me go back to it. It says bondservants. That's kind of a word we don't know very much about. Um, But a lot of Bibles, and maybe the one you're reading says this, a lot of Bibles translate that word as slaves. Slaves. And so you might be thinking, okay, what in here applies to me? Because I'm not a slave. How does this make sense with this? Well, the first thing we got to do to understand that, to, to try to figure out how this passage where Paul's talking to slaves could apply to our lives, um, the first thing we got to do is we've got to separate the word slaves as it, as it is in a first century Roman context um, from slavery as in early American slavery. Okay, Those two are not the same thing. Um, early American slavery was an abomination. It was a sinful thing based on racism and prejudice. Um, it, it was horrible, okay? And I'm not, uh, I'm not saying that first century Roman slavery was a good thing, but it was not like that. At least the majority of it wasn't. Maybe there were some bad cases that were similar, but they were not. Slavery in the Roman Empire, it was not based on race. Um, people who were slaves were not considered 
less than human. Um, it was often not even forced labor, okay? One of the most common ways people um, entered into slavery was voluntarily because um, they had debt. And so they could go to somebody who was rich and wealthy and say, I have a lot of debt. If you pay off my debt, I will become your servant either for life or until that debt is paid off and reconciled. And so a lot of slaves in the first century Roman world were voluntary slaves because of debt that they had gotten into and they were working their debt off. But they could be very well-educated people. They could be people who were valued in society. They could be people who held pretty high-level positions within organizations and, and structures like that. And so many of the slaves from the first century, like their lives, their daily life could look very much like the life of somebody who wasn't a slave. And so there were people, they were just people who essentially had jobs. At times, they were, their jobs were for unpleasant bosses, um, and maybe they at times had to do potentially unpleasant things. And that's kind of the connection where Paul's words can, can make it their way into our lives, okay? Because if you've ever had a boss that you thought, this guy's awful, this lady's awful, I can't stand working for them. They ruin everything about this job, okay? If you've ever had a job where, where you just felt like you were just there passing time, that it was monotony, that anybody else could have taken your, your spot and it would have made no difference to the company or anything like that. Um, it, if you've ever been in one of those situations, it's easy for that to just weigh you down and to make the whole experience feel awful and painful to get through. And so what Paul does when he's talking to these people who are slaves, and I think it's applicable to us, is Paul connects their work to Jesus, okay? Paul says, you don't just want to do what your boss says to get by, but you want to work for that boss sincerely, and you want to serve them, okay? Because they deserve it? No. Why then? Because of Jesus, okay? Jesus calls us to do things like love the unlovable. He calls us to love our enemies, and pray for those who mistreat us. And so Paul tells them, you can work for a nasty boss. It's possible to work for a nasty boss, not because they, they've earned it or they deserve your respect or anything like that, but, but we do it because of Jesus and the way he's taught us to treat people who maybe we don't always care for. Um, he tells them to work hard. He says, work heartily at your jobs. That means give it all you got. Work hard at your jobs. Do the best you can. Why? Because it's awesome work, because you love it, because it feels purposeful to you? No. Again, he says, because of Jesus. Paul wants those people who are Christians to be aware that, that just because if you don't see purpose and meaning in your job, he says, if, if you don't see that, Jesus gives you a mission that should still affect how you work. Even if you can't find purpose and meaning in the job itself, Jesus can give you purpose and meaning to take to work with you to make your time there valuable, purposeful, and meaningful. And that purpose that he's given us is to show him. We are meant to show Jesus in how we treat our bosses, how we treat those coworkers that annoy us, how we treat customers, how we treat anybody. We're there to tr show and reflect the goodness and grace and kindness of Jesus by how hard we work, by the excellence and the care that we put into what we do. Because it's noticeable when everyone's like, how can you put up with that guy as well as you do? Well, you know, Jesus has been kind to me. How, how come you put so much energy into this job? Well, you know, I just feel like 
God's put me here for a reason and a purpose, and, and it's to use whatever skills I have to the best of my ability, so I'm going to do that here and now. And so if you want to know what your purpose at work could be, if you've ever struggled to feel like this nine to five I'm working is absolutely meaningless and I just have to, enjoy, to, to endure it, let me tell you that Jesus has a purpose that you can take with you to work. And it's this. The purpose of your life at work is to show that Jesus is at work in your life. The purpose of your life at work is to show that Jesus is at work in your life. Now, Paul says, hey, you guys, you need to work hard and do your job well and treat your boss with respect because it reflects on Jesus. And, and again, he wants us to know that in that moment, while we're at work, just like Christians are supposed to everywhere else, we are representatives of our Savior. We are representatives of the God of the universe, the creator of all things. And so our excellence at work and our integrity and how we are upright and, and kind and generous, all of that was going to reflect Jesus to anybody who sees us doing anything. And so if you've ever felt like there was no point to your job and if you made no difference being there, let me just tell you, you can go to work to show Jesus and have a purpose that is far bigger than anything you could get on the job anyway. You have a chance to be an ambassador for Christ everywhere you go, including a job. And if you're in a place that, you know, is in a work environment that's kind of poisonous, chances are you're not the only one who doesn't like it. You're not the only one who hates it. So you can look around and everyone else is, is feeling the same way you are. Well, when you start acting differently, they're going to notice they're going to ask, why? How can you act like this? How can you work like this here? And you can give them an explanation. You can tell them, have a chance to show them Jesus. So whatever work you do, he says, work at it with all your heart because it reflects on Jesus. How you treat your coworkers, again, reflects on Jesus. How you, how you work with your boss reflects on Jesus. And so you go, you work hard. You live as a person of integrity. You don't gossip. You don't lie. You treat people with respect. Why? Because they're all fellow children of God. And even if people do not do the same to you, and that's what's really important here, and that's what separates the calling of Christ's followers to the calling of our world. Our world says treat people the way they deserve to be treated. They're rude to you, return rudeness. What goes around comes around. Karma, get them with karma, right? But no, Jesus says even if they don't return kindness to you, you treat them the same way. Why? Because Jesus has treated us with kindness. Though we were sinners, though we were enemies of God, he showed kindness to us. So even at work, the gospel can be reflected in how we live day in and day out. So work isn't something that you do just for a paycheck. It's something that you do because you have a chance to model Jesus for others. Even those of you that maybe love your job, if you interact with any other human being when you're at work, you have a chance to love Jesus and model him and reflect him for the people that you interact with. So even if you, you love your job or maybe you don't, your purpose in life is still to show Jesus as at work in your life. So you can't miss that. Work isn't a valueless 40 hours that you endure. It's, ev it's knowing that every day, no, I get, I get to get up. 
And I have a job to do. I have a glorious, eternal work that God has placed on my, into my life to give me a purpose and to give me meaning to every single day that I live. And let me just say that I, I think this, it, this, this command, this, this, the application goes farther than just maybe a nine-to-five job that you actually have to go in, maybe check, uh, do a time card or whatever. Um, it goes beyond even those, tech, those, those normal work situations, okay? Many of you right now are homeschool teachers. Some of you, by choice. Uh, a lot of us, not by choice. And it just kind of fell in our lap because of the situations. Well, you can still model Christ and live for Christ in, in difficult circumstances. You have the opportunity to model Jesus for your kids. As difficult and as frustrating as, as the whole thing can be some days, you still have a chance to, to try to, to love them in, in the likeness of Christ. Um, chances are, as you're trying to navigate what digital learning looks like, you're going to have to reach out to their teacher for help or for further instructions or for clarification. Well, you have a chance to treat their teacher with kindness and respect rather than rage and, I don't get this, and I don't want to do this, and this is too hard, and we shouldn't. I mean, you can be kind and say, I know this is hard on you too. I know this isn't the school year you envisioned, um, but I just don't understand this this particular homework assignment. So you can treat them and reflect Christ and his kindness to you in how you deal with them. Or even those of you that are retired, okay? Um, you, you know, you might not technically go to work, but most of the retired people I know, you still work. You can't stop you. Some of you, you retired just to take on a hobby that was harder than most of us's jobs. Uh, so uh, you still do stuff that's hard, that's difficult. You still go out and you help people and you give and you serve. Let those things be the work that you do where you can show Jesus in your interactions with people and in how much attention and care you give to that work. So work isn't meant to be this miserable part of our lives. It, you know, some people we, we need rest from their work because they're just so miserable and they need a, a weekend to recharge their batteries. But what if? What if we could refocus our hearts and our minds as we go into work tomorrow? What if you could, could change your perspective and your attitude as you go into work so that it's not something you have to fight to get through, but it's an opportunity that you've been given by your creator to play a part in, in an eternal work that he's doing in our world. A chance to go in and share the gospel with people who desperately need to hear about the saving work of Jesus. People who are lost just like you used to be. And you have a chance to proclaim to them the goodness of Jesus. I just, I think that can change everything for you. By understanding that even if your job doesn't give you a sense of purpose or meaning, Jesus has given you a powerful mission that gives you purpose and meaning that you can take with you even to work. So when you wake up tomorrow, and even as you go to bed tonight, I would encourage you, if you um, dread your job or if you love your job, pray, dear God, let me know. Let me let this drive deep into my heart that tomorrow when I go to work, I'm going to have the chance to reflect and show people that you are at work in my life.